are listening to The Loop Podcast, a project in plastic surgery innovation. Hello, this is Dr. Morgan Martin, core host of The Loop Podcast. So today's episode is an in-service review. We're going to be talking about rhinoplasty. Now, this is mostly cosmetic rhinoplasty, but we're going to be talking about anatomy, physiology, things to know for nasal analysis, preoperative considerations, and possible postoperative complications. This information is coming from Review of Plastic Surgery Textbook, as well as Plastic Surgery Case Review, as well as the textbook Rhinoplasty by Roland Daniel. At the end, I'm going to go over what you need to know coming from the 2021 in-service question. Now let's get started with anatomy of the nose. Of course, we have skin and soft tissue. We then have the nasal bones, which make up the upper bony vault. These connect to the upper lateral cartilages, which makes up the cartilaginous portion of the mid-vault. These then connect to the lower lateral cartilages, and where they connect, that's called the scroll area. Then the septum, so know that this is formed by the perpendicular plate of the ethmoid bone, the vomer, the maxillary crest, and the crest of the palatine bone. And then don't forget the mucosal layer, which is the nasal lining. In terms of muscle, the most important things to know are, number one, which was a question last year on the test, the depressor septi nasi. This depresses the nasal tip. It depresses the nose or pulls the tip down with animation such as smiling. And you can see this on the lateral view. Next is levator labi superioris which dilates the nares. So if you have paralysis of this muscle, facial paralysis, whatever, um, this causes collapse of the external valve. Okay, now let's talk about the internal and external nasal valves. First, the internal nasal valve. So this is between the septum and the upper lateral cartilage. We talk about clinically testing using the caudal maneuver which is pulling the skin away just lateral to the nose to see if this improves breathing. A positive caudal maneuver would mean that maybe there's collapse of the internal nasal valve. And one thing we talk about surgically to help this is spreader grafts. So external nasal valve, this is essentially at the level of the lower lateral cartilage and nares. Over-resection of the lower lateral cartilages can result in collapse of the external nasal valve, and you treat this surgically with at ALAR batten grafts. Now a few words about nasal physiology. So what are the nasal functions? Breathing, it also warms and humidifies the air. Obviously smell, filters the air, and is also an immune defense. In terms of nasal airway obstruction, so this is a combination of increased nasal resistance and decreased airflow. Examples of this include septal deviation, trauma, nasal valve collapse, turbinate hypertrophy, and intranasal masses. So the most common cause of nasal obstruction is thought to be internal nasal valve collapse or incompetence. Now that is very basic, but let's move on to nasal analysis. Let's first talk about some of the ideal angles. The nasofrontal angle in males is thought to be between 120 to 130 degrees, females 115 to 125 degrees. Next, the nasolabial angle in males 90 to 95 degrees and females 100 to 105 degrees. One way to look at tip projection is it should be two-thirds the length of the nose or equal to the base width. 
the base width should be equal to the intercanthal distance. Now, in terms of further nasal analysis, let's talk about what you should be looking for and describing on physical exam. First, you want to look at the patient's skin type, skin thickness, the symmetry of the nose, and the balance overall of the facial aesthetic unit. You want to then describe the external nose by looking at the frontal view, lateral view, and the base view. So what are we looking for on the frontal view? So first, assessment of balance, symmetry, shape, tip contour. You're going to be looking at the nasal bones and width the dorsal aesthetic lines, looking for any nasal deviation, contour irregularities, and also looking at irregularities of the upper and lower lateral cartilages, and also look at the alar width. Now specifically for the tip, you're going to evaluate for any bulbosity. You're going to look for those tip-defining points, the alar shape, the nostril size and shape as well. On the lateral view, you're going to assess the nasal length, the dorsum, the tip, the overall projection, rotation. Now rotation, this was at first a little bit hard for me to understand. So when we talk about over rotation, the tip is too high versus under rotated pointing too low. Okay, next you're going to assess the relationship between the ala and the columella. You're going to look at the radix height, the frontonasal angle. You're also going to look at chin projection. And again, this is the view that you're going to be assessing those critical angles, both the nasofrontal angle and the nasolabial angle. It's very important to also assess for a hypoplastic or retruded chin because this is going to affect the overall balance of the face and you can offer concurrent genioplasty. Now the base view or worm's eye view, so you're going to be assessing the nostril size and shape, the columellar width, the alar base width, and the length of the medial cura. You also want to look at the position of the septum and is it deviated or not. Also remember in the ideal base view, the nose should look like an isosceles triangle and the upper third is just the tip lobule and then the lower two thirds is the columella and nair. Next, you wanna do an internal examination. So this includes evaluation of the septum. You wanna look at the internal and external nasal valves, the turbinates and the lining. In addition to nasal analysis, other preoperative considerations, obviously you must take a history. You want to ask the patient about specific concerns with the appearance of the nose. You certainly want to talk about difficulty with breathing or any history of snoring. Also talk about any prior nasal surgeries or smoking history and what are the motivating factors. Another preoperative consideration, remember that aesthetic Septorhinoplasty has a high incidence of postoperative patient dissatisfaction and body dysmorphic disorder affects 7 to 15% of all plastic surgery patients. So this is something that needs to be evaluated preoperatively. Up to 50% have suicidal ideation and the treatment recommendation is to refer to a psychiatrist. Now, we are briefly going to go over some rhinoplasty techniques. This is obviously not thorough, and I'm only going to go over what I think is most likely to be tested. First, incisions that I think could be tested. We all know the columellar incision for open rhinoplasty. For septoplasty, 
You can do a transfiction, either hemi-transfiction or full transfiction. So this is when on hemi-transfiction, that's just on one side. Full would be on both sides. But accessing the septum by making an incision just posterior to the columella along the membranous septum. A full transfiction incision will decrease the tip support and therefore lead to decreased tip projection. So if you're doing this incision, you need to think about doing something like a columnar strut graft. Next, the Killian incision. So this is one to two centimeters posterior to the caudal edge of the septum, and this provides access to the septum. The advantage is this gives you access to the septal cartilage without decreasing the tip support. The next one to know is an intercartilaginous incision. So this follows the caudal border of the upper lateral cartilage, and it is located between it and the syphilad border of the alar lateral cruse. And you can connect this to the transfiction incision at the caudal border. Okay, moving on to some important things to know intraoperatively that could be tested. So when you remove part of the septum for a cartilage graft, so you have to make sure and preserve at least one centimeter of an L strut. So that's both one centimeter of caudal septum and one centimeter of dorsal septum to preserve strength. Less than one centimeter, there's risk of dorsal collapse, saddle nose deformity. Next, when you're doing a septoplasty, you need to make sure and avoid aggressive rocking or twisting forces applied to the septum posteriorly at the ethmoid plate because this could cause a traumatic injury to the cripiform plate, resulting in a CSF leak. Most commonly, you will see this on the right side, males greater than females, and it's characterized by clear discharge, taste salty, or light metal, and it's worsened by straining valsalva or leaning forward. And of course, diagnosis, you need to do a beta-2 transferring test of the discharge. Okay, now let's talk about post-operative deformities that you can see. As an overview, the deformities, you can see saddle nose deformity, open roof deformity, polybeak, rocker deformity, inverted V deformity, and minor contour deformities. So what is a saddle nose deformity? It is essentially a loss of dorsal support. So this can be caused by excessive resection of the nasal dorsum, septal hematoma, excessive resection of the septum, fracture of the perpendicular plate of the ethmoid, or comminution of the nasal bones during infracture. Next, open roof deformity. So this is just like it sounds. So there's literally no roof, either bony or cartilaginous. And so this can be caused by aggressive dorsal hump reduction, resulting in separation between the nasal sidewalls and the septum. So treatment, you can do nasal osteotomies and infracturing, um, basically to bring the nasal sidewalls in so that the edges meet medially at the septum. You can also use spreadographs and bring the upper lateral cartilages in towards the septum. Next, polybeak deformity. So this is characterized by fullness in the supertip area, and this can be caused by inadequate resection of the lower dorsal septum or excess scar formation in the supertip region. You can also see this if you lose tip projection because of inadequate 
tip support. And what you're left with is looking at that anterior septal angle. Okay, next is the rocker deformity. This deformity results when the medial osteotomy creates a cephalic fracture higher in the thicker part of the radix. Clinically, this can be seen as a rocking fragment when you manipulate the bridge of the nose and can create a contour deformity. Next is the inverted V deformity. This is caused by avulsion of the upper lateral cartilages or excessive removal of the transverse portion of the upper lateral cartilage during resection of the dorsal septum. And essentially what happens is you have visibility of that caudal edge of the nasal bones and it will cause a shadow down on the nasal sidewall. And treatment is placing a spreadographs. The last deformity would just be minor contour deformities, and you can see these along the nasal dorsum, the sidewalls, and you can consider correcting these with just soft tissue fillers, and you want to inject filler into the sub-SMAS plane just above the periosteum. So that's it for basics of the nose, not including nasal reconstruction. So now let's talk about some of these 2021 in-service questions. So first question, although this is more pertaining to reconstruction of the nose, it's within the cosmetic rhinoplasty section. And this is talking about composite auricular grafts. And so Really, what it wants you to know is that the best use of a composite auricular graft is to be used for not only support with the cartilage, but also vestibular lining. So, postoperatively or maybe after trauma, you can have alar retraction, and this can be secondary to a shortage of the vestibular lining. And so, the composite graft which means you're taking cartilage and skin. So the skin is going to replace that lining. And this can help if this is secondary to scarring, prior surgery, or a shortage of that lining. And so replacement of this lining is required for adequate correction. So next they asked about basically the anatomy of the internal nasal valve. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. So think about the borders of the internal nasal valve, and those are the upper lateral cartilage superiorly, the anterior inferior turbinate posteriorly, the caudal septum medially, the nasal floor inferiorly, and then also the piriform margin laterally. So there are many techniques to talk about stabilization of the upper lateral cartilage to prevent collapse medially. And one technique is to use a spreader graft to open that internal nasal valve, increasing the angle. They also decrease airway resistance due to the increased radius at the internal nasal valve. So another question, which again, we talked about a little bit earlier, is downward movement of the nasal tip when smiling. So what muscle causes this? And that's the depressor septi nasi. This depresses the nasal septum and causes the nasal tip to move downward and narrows the columellar labial 
angle. So things that you can do is you can release this muscle during rhinoplasty to reduce that nasal tip depression, but this can also cause upper lip ptosis. There is a question about cartilaginous grafts. So when you have a patient that has lack of tip support, so things that you can do are specifically a septal extension graft or a columnar strut. A septal extension is going to give you more longer lasting support. The other options, other grafts they may confuse you with on this question. So batten grafts, that goes along the ala. And this is placed as an onlay over the lower lateral cartilages and the scroll area. And this is useful to support the external nasal valve. Also provides some tip support and derotates the tip. Other graphs that it may confuse you with with this type of question. So spreader graphs we've already talked about quite a bit. But again, this is cartilage that you interpose between the upper lateral cartilage and the septum to open the internal nasal valve. And it is also used to straighten the dorsal aesthetic line. And again, decreases airway resistance due to increased radius of the internal nasal valve. Also, other grafts, the lateral crural strut graft. So this is a cartilage graft that is inserted between the vestibular lining and the lateral cruise of the lower lateral cartilage. So it goes essentially on the bottom side of the lateral cruise of the lower lateral cartilage versus laid on top, such as a batten graft, which is an onlay graft. So the lateral curler strut graft, so this is useful to stint open, again, external nasal valve. Um, it helps in correcting a bulbous or boxy tip um, caused by a wide and convex lower lateral cartilage. There's also something called a subdomal graft. So this can be useful in correcting like a pinched tip or an asymmetric dome. Next question is in regards to what do you do to treat inferior turbinate hypertrophy and how do you preserve mucosal function but also relieve symptoms of obstruction? The answer to this is submucous resection of the inferior turbinate because this allows for preservation of the mucosa, which helps to warm and moisturize the air during breathing. However, the submucosal resection will reduce the amount of tissue to relieve the obstruction. And this provides the largest improvement in nasal airflow and it is the only treatment that restores mucociliary clearance and secretory production. So the last question from 2021 asks about something we have talked about a lot. So lucky for us is talking about a patient that has a narrowed mid-vault. So what's the mid-vault? So midway down the nose, we're going to be primarily concerned about those upper lateral cartilages. And so this patient has a narrowed mid-vault. And this is after a previous rhinoplasty, and they're describing an inverted V deformity. So remember what that means is there's some sort of disconnection of the upper lateral cartilages from probably the nasal bone, and it's causing this deformity, which clinically you'll see a shadow on the mid-vault um, and that's going to be concerning to the patient. And so what graft can we use to improve the patient's condition? 
So in Neuromidvault, this patient probably has trouble breathing from collapse of the internal nasal valve. So again, spreader grafts, which are cartilaginous grafts going between the upper lateral cartilages and the septum to widen that radius of the internal nasal valve. It widens the midvault, so it will help with that um, narrowed midvault, and also is used to help stabilize that region and corrects an inverted V deformity. And the other confusing answer choices we've already talked about again. So the Allerbatten graft, we know that's that's for external nasal valve collapse, dorsal onlay. So that's not going to help with increase the height of the dorsum. Dorsal sidewall onlay, that's not going to help with the inverted V deformity. Shield graft, so we didn't mention this earlier, but this is for the tip to help with projection and also help with really just contour of the tip. Okay, that's it. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more in-service review episodes and make sure to follow us on Instagram to get in the loop.